0: All right. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. It is, uh, well, it's the aftermath of the Red River Shootout. Uh, without further ado, I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Warren's 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing?
1: Oh, Chip, I'm doing just fine. How about you?
0: Well, I drove all the way to Dallas for the Red River Shootout, and um I, I still don't quite know what I saw, but I do know that uh, there are a lot of angry Texas fans right now, and so we're going to get into that. We Make sure you listen to the Flagship Reacts podcast. We recorded that after the game, and you can hear our in-depth analysis about all the the good, bad, and ugly from um, four overtime, uh, 53-45 loss to a two and two Oklahoma football team that had just lost two games in a row. Um, But Taylor, I think all anyone's talking about right now is, well, first of all, is the locker room still together? Because there was this image of Sam Ellinger standing by himself of, of the players with the coaching staff and for the eyes of Texas after the game. And everybody looks at that picture and says, this team is fractured. Right. Sam's the only one standing for the eyes and fire Tom Herman, hire Urban Meyer, and we'll get into all of that. But let me just say that um this is uh this is a very, very uh delicate situation. But um, the administration has said, look, we're gonna own up to the history of the eyes, but it is still our song. We expect uh, coach and student participation in the eyes. And it's been kind of a mess after home games at Texas. They start playing the eyes almost as soon as the game ends while players are on the field, kind of shaking hands with the other team, whatever. Yeah. Against Oklahoma, because Texas didn't control the press box, they didn't get to the eyes until after, basically, OU had its golden hat celebration. Right. And so players were back in the locker room, players who I'm told wanted to be a part of the eyes, but didn't think it was going to get played. Nonetheless, Sam did a radio interview, was out there, he stood for it. And now it it's kind of become this, you know, touchstone. I think there are t-shirts being made that say, I stand with Sam. And so Taylor, it's no matter what, people are mad. They're mad at Tom Herman. They're mad at the, the outcome of this season so far. And this is a hot button topic. I mean, the eyes of Texas, especially for the uh, older generation, this is their song. They've heard it weddings and funerals and, and don't mess with it. Tom Herman, what are you doing? Where are your players? You don't have control of this team. So it's, it, it, perception can become reality in these situations taylor and and now Tom Herman opens his press conference on Monday talking about the eyes of Texas and how he's inviting the players to stand with him if they're comfortable with that. I don't know that that's exactly what the administration has said. Volleyball and soccer stand for the eyes um they lock arms, they don't sing it, but they lock arms, and they're there mm-hmm. so I mean. This is something clearly Tom Herman has to also fix in the off week, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, Chip. And I understand that other, you know, um, athletic programs at the University of Texas are standing for the eyes. But my question for you is, are we having this conversation right now after four four games on the season if Texas is four now? Probably not. Yeah. And so Um, I think I think Right. Yeah. People are angry. They're upset right now. I think this is almost a culmination of the constant disappointment that a lot of Texas fans have felt for the last 10 years. I mean, if you go back and look, Texas has done less with more than probably any other team in the Big 12. And I'm not trying to, you know, kick Texas fans when they're down, but it's just the reality of the situation. I mean, um, this earlier this week, 24-7 Sports released their annual team talent composite for the 2020 season. And Texas is the highest it's ever been under Tom Herman at number five nationally in the most talented team in the country. And the only teams that are ahead of Texas are teams that are playing for championships. It's Georgia, it's Ohio State, it's Alabama, it's Clemson, Clemson, and then it's Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. I think Alabama's ahead of Ohio State, but still, all four of those teams have at least played in a college football playoff game um, as of late, you know, and I know Georgia hasn't for the last, what, two years now, but still, I mean, they were playing for college football playoffs, and it's just kind of a situation where I think Texas fans at this point are questioning where this program truly is headed. Because as you and I know, with Tom Herman, he's been pointing to 2020 being the season his entire career. I mean, he went out of his way during the 2018 season to essentially say that Texas was ahead of schedule because he didn't, I don't think that anybody really expected Texas to make it to a Big 12 title appearance that year. And then let alone, you know, um, beat Georgia in a new year six bowl appearance, so Tom made that kind of his his scapegoat a little bit, but the reality is now Tom Herman has his entire team this is tom 's team you know um, in two thousand and eighteen there were still some members of charlie strong 's team <laughs> playing on that one now it 's all his players, guys that they have signed, and they 're two and two with his fourth loss to Oklahoma, the one rival that they have on the this, this schedule. You know, I know the eyes of Texas is absolutely a hot topic. It has been ever since we heard about it. I mean, some behind the scenes here. We initially heard that this was part of the players' virtual meeting with Tom Herman back in the early June um, when they had basically a come-to-Jesus moment <laughs> with Tom Herman and the players expressed their feelings of, you know, maybe they weren't thrilled with a lot of things that had been going on behind the scenes, but this was one of the hot topic issues. And I remember I sent a group text to our Horns 24-7 staff, and I said, you guys will never believe what the players are saying. Like, this is could get troublesome. Do you remember that? Like, and I said, they want to get rid of the eyes of Texas. <laughs> and we kind of just sat on it because we're like, this might be weird if we even report this. So we sat on it for a while, and then, you know, here we are talking about it, but You know, I just, I really, it's hard for me to think that this is what we're talking about coming out of the Texas OU game, you know, the second bye week of the schedule of Texas was actually taking care of business and performing like the fifth most talented team in the country.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what happens when the fans have had it with you. Yeah. They look for any reason to blame you for, for, you know, everything, for traffic, for (laughs) Bad weather, and now you're you're messing with my eyes of Texas tradition, which is not nearly. There's so many more layers to it than that. But you're right, Taylor. If they were four and O, and they just beat No U, and their top five team, everybody's talking about that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh man, this is this is great. Look at us. Look at what's happening. It's happening, and it's not happening. And now they're they're just Kicking over the furniture, they're breaking dishes. They've had it, and they're blaming Tom Herman uh, for the lack of uh, player participation in the eyes of Texas. And it's—I'm—I'm I'm telling you right now, it's not going unnoticed elsewhere. I mean, it's not going unnoticed among influential boosters, the tower, everything. So this thing could blow up into this again unintended consequence for Tom Herman that he, he's got to get a hold of here. And he's got to have some heart-to-hearts. He's got to, you know, get this thing figured out. And in, in addition to, a you know, a defense that is now giving up 36 points per game, the worst on pace to be the worst in school history, that distinction belongs to the 1997 team, which gave up 33.3 points per game. And ended with John Makovic being fired after six up and down years. So this is a, that's the crisis in, you know, in-house, but Taylor, I'm told the locker room is united. They're, they're just confused. They're just, they're just confused why they're not winning. You know, they're, they show up to practice. They're working hard. They like each other. They felt like they were going to have a good team this year, contend for a, for a title. And obviously there've been penalties and that kind of thing. But for the most part, they are hardworking, trying to win, but they're not—they're not being coached to win, right. uh, or they're not being coached well enough to win. I mean, we talked last week about TCU and how they have a six and one record against Texas in their last seven meetings, and their recruiting rankings are never anywhere near Texas's. Well, now K State, K State with a backup quarterback, just went to TCU and won. And is undefeated in conference play with two returning starters on offense. And one of them was Skylar Thompson, who's now done for the year. And they're playing with some guy named Will Howard I've never heard of. But, I mean, that's coaching. That's Chris Kleiman. And he's been there 10 minutes. You yeah. know? I mean, he's in his second season. So Texas fans have had it. They they They're done with excuses. Tom kind of... In his press conference on Monday, he talked about the crazy year and then talked about Jordan Whittington being in the slot with Jake Smith aggravating the hamstring injury in pregame warm-up and saying, we're young and inexperienced at receiver. And I'm going, no, 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 yeah. no, no. You can't – you can't. You got two graduate transfers on the field, for crying out loud. You can't exactly. – you, you know, Brendan Eagles has been around. Josh Moore was all – he was on in every practice last year. I mean, it's uh, – And this is what happens. Look, he feels the heat. There's no doubt. And then Urban Meyer. I mean, how crazy is this? Urban Meyer is sitting there as a free agent on the Fox College sports desk. This is the guy who Tom Herman, you know, basically helped Zach Smith's wife blow the whistle on Urban Meyer. Now they were reaching out to Courtney Smith because they were worried about her, that her own family wasn't supporting her and she was being abused by Zach Smith. And so they helped her with money for legal fees and that kind of thing. And then ultimately it blew up and Urban Meyer got caught lying about it to his own bosses at Ohio state. And he ends up saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to hand it over to Ryan day here. Well, really, this is the guy that's now in, in the, uh, apple of the eyes of the big money at Texas. And I'm just, I've, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I kind of feel like I'm back in 2013 when the big money guys wanted to go, you know, go after Nick Saban, but I, the, Tom Herman doesn't have nearly the the credibility to to gum it up the way Mac Brown Mac Brown was a national championship coach. And if he didn't want to go quietly, he he was gonna make make it difficult.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: This is crazy though, Taylor.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, it the Urban Meyer talk is as, as high as it's ever been. And it started really a lot last season, you know, when Texas started struggling down the stretch, mainly on offense. Cause I think a lot of the um you know, Texas fans that pay attention to what's going on. And, you know, our Horns 24-7 members, you know, we kept reiterating, this is Tom Herman's offense. Like, well, you can blame Tim Beck all you want. This is Tom Herman's offense. He's calling the plays. And he took credit for calling the plays in 2018. then 2019, all of a sudden, it became a, a committee. committee. <laughs> because the that's offense was committee. struggling. Yeah, it's like, no, it was never an offense by committee. He was he was in over his head as a play caller. and And that's okay to admit. However, I think that, you know, that's kind of when these type of things started. These, uh, these conversations, what about Urban Meyer? What about Urban Meyer? I'm, I'm a little torn on this one, because number one, you know, Urban Meyer has been successful where he has been a coach. However, he's left Um, he's never really left clean from any program (laughs) either, you know, it's been at Florida, it was, he had a heart condition, and he needed to spend more time with his family, but then we hear things behind the scenes, it's like, no, I think it was something else going on, then he bolts, and then look at what Florida went through after he left, and then, you know, leaves Ohio State, he lies, which essentially cost him his job at Ohio State, because he was defending somebody who had a, a, an alleged history of domestic abuse against his spouse, and spousal abuse, and So he was forced essentially to step away from the program. So it is a little, it's interesting, you know, and I know Texas fans are tired of mediocrity. I get it. Like we honestly, I think that Chip, you and I are very um, unbiased when it comes to, uh, covering the University of Texas, probably more so than a lot of other places. However, there are times where it's like, I mean, come on, just freaking live up to expectations because I'm tired of dealing with the constant meltdowns. I mean, honestly, I mean, it, it just becomes, you know, draining after a while. I like to joke that football season, a lot of times in Austin, Texas, you age in dog years if you cover this program, because you just, especially recently, you're just like, yeah, never know what's going to happen here. You you could start the season losing to Maryland then end up playing in the Big 12 championship game and beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Or you can start off barely losing to the national champion and then end up in the Alamo Bowl again. I mean, it's just it's just almost mind numbing a little bit, the commentary with just everything going on at Texas. But at the end of the day, this is on Tom Herman. I mean, he's in his fourth year as the head coach here. He has his guys. He entirely, you know, redid his entire coaching staff so that he could He got a reset button, you know, and Chris Del Conte, when we had him on um, in our exclusive interview with him back in the spring on the flagship podcast, he discussed that. He said, you know, Tom kind of used a mulligan. And I'm not sure if he said that word for word, but essentially said he had one chance to get this coaching staff right. And so now we're looking at Texas, two and two on the year, 500 program. Um, you know, Tom has credited Chris Ash with being one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. However, as you mentioned, Texas is on pace to having one of the worst scoring defenses in program history. The Texas defense is currently ninth in the nation, or ninth worst in the nation in scoring defense. Um, they are 66 out of 76 teams, So I guess they're 10th, there's nine teams behind them. But, um, you know, that's, that's a step back in my opinion. And I know the Texas defense was struggling a lot last year. There was a lot of reasons that played to that, whether it was injury, inexperience, or whatever. But the thing that Tom said all offseason leading up to this year is the good thing that happened on defense for Texas last year is a lot of the younger guys got experience. So now we have the experience. Well, where is what's going on then? I mean, at what point do we stop pointing the blame everywhere else and point it at the person that's making $6 million a year and is leading this program into another mediocre season.
0: Well, and everyone is now pointing their finger at Tom Herman and whether he can block out the noise or not. That's again, why he gets paid the big bucks right. to block out the noise. It doesn't matter what we say. It matters what his players are saying and thinking in that locker room. Are they still tied together? And I hear they are, Although, look, with every loss, it gets more difficult for those players to maintain the discipline of a championship team, and they start listening to things they probably shouldn't. Um, people in their ear, and we've already seen, you know, Kenyatta Watson uh, leave the program. We learned this week he's going to Georgia Tech, and and guys are, you know, whatever recruiting is struggling right now, so you know the the time is now but at the time was after the tech game i mean that's when they were supposedly it was a wake up call right and right. then and then it wasn't and then they lose at home to tcu then they play a probably the worst ou team we've seen since the john blake era i mean just vulnerable yeah young quarterback some questions on their offensive line the defense hasn't been playing up to par kind of similar to Texas in a lot of ways. And I mean, Texas was dominated in this game for 55 minutes. So, and again, heroics, amazing, great heart, grit, toughness to get back in it, push it to four overtimes. I would have.
1: Sam Ellinger. Let's just say who who was incredible. Sam Ellinger.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I probably would have gone for two right at the end of regulation uh, if not the second overtime when Sam ran that twenty-five yarder and and they had the the last say in terms of possession, but that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is they're two and two. They hopefully are going to play Baylor on the twenty fourth. Baylor's got more COVID cases than a hospital ward, but they are, you know, they'll play Baylor on uh, the twenty fourth and then they're off to Stillwater for Halloween, and that was the the two teams I picked to be in the big 12 championship and whoa, was yeah. I wrong, but it's, um, I mean, there are no easy, it doesn't get easier. No. It's Oklahoma state still out there. K state still out there. Iowa state still out there. I mean, and <laughs> I mean, those are, those are tough games.
1: Yeah. I'm lucky. I have a, I have a whiteboard that has all of the games on over here. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Baylor, we don't really know what Baylor is yet because they haven't been able to play many games, but Oklahoma State, then the following week, West Virginia. West Virginia hasn't been perfect, but they haven't been terrible.
0: Right. Um, Their defense is pretty good. That Tony Fields kid, yeah, who Texas recruited is like leading the Big 12 in tackles. Yeah. If if you've noticed, I mean, it's uh that kid can play. Texas was on the right kid, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Chip, one thing that you mentioned this um, this week when you wrote your morning brew, and if you um, are a Horns 24-7 member, check out every, every weekday morning, except for Thursday. Thursday, we release uh, The Insider, so it's an extended morning brew, basically, but uh, Chip's morning brew is always on point. And you mentioned in, um, you know, what Tom Herman said during his Monday press conference, which, let's be honest, it was a ton of coach speak, a ton of excuses. Um, as you you know we said, 2020 being a year, well, Texas't ha- has not had any disruptions thus far since fall camp started. Not to their season, not to the, some of their starters, nothing. So that's an excuse, and I'm tired of hearing it from Tom Herman, until it's a Baylor situation or something where they're constantly having to postpone games or reschedule because it's just an outbreak in the campus. You can't say that right now. But one thing that he talked about was how, you know, with the running game that Mike Yurcich and he have a plan moving forward. However, do you believe this right now?
0: No, because they should be able to adjust that plan in game. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless they're going to install some new component to the offense that they haven't installed yet, like the triple Lindy or something, or they're going to go to the counter tray as their bread and butter running play. then it's hard to believe anything right now. I mean, I think people are, are, are done. I mean, they're, they're now at the point of show me, don't tell me. I'm, I'm not even listening anymore. I see Tom Herman. I turn down the volume. I'll, I'll, turn, I'll tune into the first quarter of their next game and see if there's any improvement. Yeah. I think that's where the fan base is right now. So They may need um, to be
1: tuning into the final five minutes of a regulation because that seems to be the right. only time when Texas <laughs> – clicks. Who knew,
0: who knew that Texas football games were going to end up being like NBA game, NBA regular season games where you don't tune in until the, until the final five minutes when they actually start playing some defense and, and try to win the game. Mm-hmm. But it's um, I mean, it's it's crazy. It really is crazy that we're a I think that we're here at two and two and the team has not put together a complete game, not even close, uh, except for UTEP, which is one of the worst teams in FBS. But the fact that um, you know it's been these crazy uh, finishes where Texas shows they can do what they need to do, but they only do it for five minutes, and it's not it's not enough, or it's it's yeah, whatever it is they're two and two, and now you look at this thing, um, the big money guys are mad at Herman. I think they're making googly eyes at at Urban Meyer. Who knows if if president Jay Hartzell and Chris Del Conte are on board with something like that, I think they're trying to keep, you know, just handle the situation at hand right now, Right. Help, you know, help get uh, everybody calmed down and, and refocused on football. But this is where we are. I mean, those, that's a reality. And, and so anytime you give, uh, the big money influence at Texas, reason to doubt you, and they, they have a, a, you know, an apple in their eye, Urban Meyer, you should be careful. You, yeah. you, I mean, you should double down, work extra hard, do whatever you, you need to do to get things fixed. But um, you know, this thing could blow up. And so that, that's a huge added distraction um, for this team now. Going forward,
1: yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, on the the big noon, I forget exactly what the
0: um, yeah, Fox the big, is, college big noon college box college football show,
1: yeah, they yeah, their version of college game day. Um, they picked you know Texas, Oklahoma, and Urban was the only person to pick Oklahoma to win that game. And it was funny because I was talking to my husband, and I was like, Oh, I guess no, you know, the college day, game day crew all pick Texas, Urban's the only one, he's like yeah, he's probably hoping Texas loses the game because (laughs) then he's like, hey, I'm available. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's actually a very good point. Like maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But I mean, regardless, Chip, it's just, it's, I, you know, I I have in the past felt like there have been instances where the um, Texas fan base a lot of times are quick to ask for change. They're quick to throw in the towel on, a coaching staff or a head coach or assistant coaches or coordinators or whatever, you know, starting quarterbacks, whatever it may be. I have felt there have been times, sometimes it's been warranted, sometimes it has not been. But I feel like for the first time in a while, I understand where they're coming from more so now than ever. um, Because it's like, you can't blame the talent. Tom Herman can't sit there and say, oh, we're inexperienced, a wide receiver. Well, you have the fifth most talented team in the country. So what are you doing as a coaching staff that is not, rel- that is not clicking in these players' minds? And I hate, you know, I kind of hate when people blame coaches, especially when it's like an execution ish- issue. It's like, come on, like coaches can't run out there on the field and make the play for the t- players. The execution falls on the players. But when it's something like this, where this team is not motivated coming out of halftime, they're not making, it appears not making many halftime adjustments, except for being bad coming out, you know, going into the third quarter and it's taking, you know, 55 minutes off of a a game clock for it to finally click like, oh shoot, we might lose this game. Maybe we should step it up. That to me is on the coaching staff and that's on the culture of the program. Two things that Tom Herman has worked hard to try to, you know, culture instill this tough mental you know, tough-minded, um, hard culture at Texas. Well, it's not showing up on the field. So what what can you do to fix this at this point? And is there something he can do to
0: fix it? Right. This? I mean, that winning is a habit that's learned. Yeah. And the more you don't win, the more doubt creeps in. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'll, I'll never forget Matt Rule, who, by the way, is doing like the, he, he should win NFL coach of the year because since Christian McCaffrey got injured in game two, the Panthers have won three in a row with the youngest defense, arguably in the history of the NFL. They use seven draft picks on defense and Matt rule has the Panthers three and two. And with guys you've never heard of, I mean, it's, you know, Teddy, well, Teddy Bridgewater, you've heard of him cause he made Charlie strong at Louisville, but it's, you know, you have it as a, as the coach, you have to form that culture in every sense of the word. And I remember Matt rule and even Chris Kleiman last year when they lost two in a row to start the season, he was telling him, Hey, no, no, we're good. We're good. We're getting better. We can see it. It's tangible. Just stick with us. Keep, keep going. It's going to pay off. And Matt rule was doing the same thing. Remember coming off the seven and six season, he shows up big 12 media days and he's like, you know, we're planning to play for the Big 12 championship this year. And everyone was like, you know, picking their nose and, (laughs) you know, gabbing because no one took it seriously. I mean, you had Lincoln Riley, you got Gary Patterson, Tom Herman, all these established coaches. And here's Matt Rule in his second year or coming off his second year at Baylor. So yeah, you're right. I mean, the coach has to create the culture, instill the belief. And then Give them stuff to work with. I, I said in my good, bad, and ugly following the game, that third quarter was about the worst I've seen in 28 years of covering Texas because here's a – I mean, it, we are at, we're at we're like DEFCOM 1, right? And in terms of trying to keep your Big 12 championship hopes alive, you're playing an 0-2 OU team that's there for the taking. And you're coming out at halftime you've played the worst you can possibly play and you're still tied. You know, it, that should have been a, a great halftime speech for Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. And Hey, we're going to make adjustments. We're going to go out there and we're going to, you know, kick butt because it's, you know, two o'clock and OU still sucks. And, and everybody runs <laughs> out the tunnel and goes and gets it done. They come out, Taylor go three and out on offense and give up a 80,000 yard drive that took 20 years off the clock. Right. And whap, Mm -hmm. that third quarter was a disaster and they end up losing time of possession there. You know, ridiculous. It was like four minutes down. And then of course it was 12 minutes for the game. I mean, you, you can't, you can't win games like that when you're never on the field, you're not helping your defense, your terrible defense. I mean, You've got to be, and that's the thing. This is sort of the irony here. Mike Yersich is a tempo guy, so he's used to drives that last two minutes, two minutes and 30 seconds. We're just going to outscore people. Well, Tom Herman likes to grind the clock and, you know. Sometimes, apparently. Right, (laughs) sometimes. Not at the the end of the (laughs) Back in 18. Remember 18? Yeah. Way back in 18 when everything was, like, new. Yeah. Yeah. they were able to possess the ball for long stretches and have long drives and grind out clocks and 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 now we gotta well, we gotta see. I yeah. mean, Herm. I mean, Sam Ellinger is amazing and it's gonna be fun to watch and and honestly, maybe he just needs to be um, Sam Tebow and run twenty three times a game because he's such a good runner. He's so effective at keeping the chains moving and just go back. They had 17 carries for 29 yards after three quarters, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Ellinger ran eight times for 90 yards just on their final two drives of regulation in the four overtimes. Yeah. I mean, and he completed, you know, 12 of 19 passes and two touchdowns. I mean, the guy was a a one-man show, um, but they've got to get their running game going and and then of course, Keontae Ingram fumbles on his first carry and they take him out of the game. I mean, he's their best running back and he's not in the game for the next two quarters because of the fumble. Right. And that, you know, that threw them off. It, it, it's like, you know, but you've got to have guys ready to go. I mean, OU's on their fourth string running back. Right. PJ Pledger. Marcus majors is their fifth string running back. When you think about Kennedy Brooks opting out, and, um, you know, the uh, uh, the sermon kid transferring and all that. Oh, I mean, yeah. you're they're down to their fourth string, right?
1: Yeah, and and I'm curious, you know, it's kind of the high, halftime speech for Texas. I'm really, I wish I could be a fly on the wall, honestly, because was it not addressed that hey, we knocked, we literally got the Starting quarterback of Oklahoma benched in the first half of this game. Like was that never was that never brought up, you know? Because I'm thinking when Spencer Rattler went down or left the game initially, I was like, oh, is he injured? Because I saw the you know the cameras pan to him and they're rubbing his shoulder. I thought so. I thought, oh, maybe he's just out for a series or something like that. But you know, then um, oh my goodness, I uh, Tanner Mordecai, yeah, Tanner Mordecai Amen. came in, yeah, and it's like they enter. You know, halftime, Texas, what was the score at halftime? Wasn't it seven, 17
0: 17?
1: Yeah, 17 17. So they got back in it and then they come out and they're outscored 14 to nothing in the third quarter. And Spencer Rowler comes back in. I mean, I'm just that's where I'm wondering. I don't, it's hard to blame the player leadership for that. This, if you're coming out of halftime and they're not making adjustments and you're giving up, you're being outscored by two touchdowns in the third quarter. That's not on the players. That's on the coaches. Like why are there no halftime adjustments going on on either side of the ball? Apparently. I mean, my goodness, the offense was atrocious as you mentioned, but it's just, it's, it just seems to me that, you know, we can sit here and we can listen to the coach speak press conferences as much as we want. And, you know, and I know we may be sounding really hard on Tom Herman, but when you're one of the highest paid coaches in college football, and we're having these conversations almost consistently every single year that you've been a head coach, at some point, it's, you have to start really, really focusing in on who the issue is.
0: Right. And you look at other schools in the league, K-State, um, again, two starters back on offense in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. and they just lost one of those two starters, their starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson, and they still went to TCU and won. And now TCU's not looking nearly as good as, I mean, TCU, who knows? Hell, Texas could end up with five losses. I mean, with the three teams we just mentioned who are still out there, you're Mm -hmm. playing Oak State and K-State on the road. You're playing Iowa State at home, um, five and five. So this is... You know, that this is what comes with the territory, unfortunately. And look, I said I'm giving Texas the benefit of the doubt for the OU game because this OU team is not good. They're not good. And on paper, Texas has the better talent. But I said I'm only picking them by a dicker field goal here, and it. I'm done. I'm done doing the benefit of the doubt game. I, I like Tom Herman. I like Mike Yersich. I like Chris Ash, but – it's not uh, friends business, it's show business. And this is, it's a production-based business. Yeah. And this was supposed to be the year.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I do wanna say one thing, Chip, uh, before the game started, uh, behind the scenes here for our listeners, I sent Chip a text message before <laughs> kickoff and I had to bring this up. I, I said, I don't know what it is, I just have a really bad feeling about this game. And Chip's like, really, I have a good feeling. And uh, my thought process is, I don't know. I, I didn't say this to Chip, so I'm saying it to you the first time. Don't second guess a woman's intuition. I'll uh, tell yeah, that. Because normally, if there's a thought, <laughs> nine times, maybe maybe seven times out of ten, might be right. But yeah, you know, Chip, uh, it's just it's it's uh, mind boggling. I think at this point that we're having these conversations. But at the end of the day, you know, um, Texas has two weeks to prepare for Baylor, or possibly longer, you know, depending on if Baylor's able to get the COVID outbreak situation. Um, I did hear more.
0: today that they that that it's been relayed to Texas. They feel like they're going to be they're going to have it under control in okay. time for that game on the 24th. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see.
1: Well, Chip, uh, before we get to Love It or Leave It, we're going to uh, take a really short break, but you definitely want to stick around because we have some hot topics in Love It or Leave It. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, we'll just continue rolling on here. Are you ready for Love It or Leave It, Chip?
0: Let's go. Let's go. Righty. Okay. Everybody's favorite. They love this.
1: Yes, sir. All right, Chip. So my first topic for you. Love it or leave it, the biggest surprise of the season so far for Texas is that the Longhorns only have four sacks after four games.
0: I'm going to love this. I mean, this is, this is stunning to me. I really thought that uh, Texas, their front four uh, with the, the veterans up there, Joseph Osai, Taekwon Graham, Keandre Coburn, Moro, Jomo, Tavondre Sweat, and then you throw in Alfred Collins. And the fact that they only have four sacks and two of those sacks were in garbage time against UTEP by a, a linebacker, Marcus Tillman, who plays on special teams, um, and Alfred Collins. And then you, your other two sacks are, what, one sack against OU. It was a half sack shared by Osai and Collins. A, I, I'm thinking I need to get Alfred Collins on the field some more because... He's got one and a half of your four sacks, and he he's not you know he's not starting, but he needs to play a lot, and and I I would try him at defensive end too. I mean, if you feel Taquan Graham is your guy, um, then sub him for Moro Jomo over at the strong side defensive end. Alfred Collins is a big, strong dude, and if he needs to be on the field, let's see if the production um, you know warrants it because he's disruptive but yeah that no question i mean four sacks oh kansas is the only big 12 team with less with 3 mm-hmm. and you know half the league has double digit sacks already so i just thought that texas's front four was going to be able to be really disruptive get to the passer without having a blitz and and they are to to a degree but you still have to you have to rock the quarterback you got to hit the quarterback get him to the ground and um Gotta have more than four sacks and and you know, including two that were in garbage time by backups.
1: Yeah. I actually I think Texas may actually have five sacks. Well,
0: I think if, Texas reported it okay. as five to the big twelve, but when you go back through the box scores, it's not. It's on statbroadcast.com, dot com, it's four.
1: Okay. Okay. I was looking so, at the national working, so they probably yeah. go off of those the big twelve stats. Yeah, I mean I definitely think that's, I, I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, I'm going to love this one. Um, you know, one of, and I know that getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks is not only about sacks, obviously, you know, you want to pressure them, get them outside the pocket, get them uncomfortable. So sacks doesn't tell the whole story, but the biggest thing that we had heard all offseason was this shift to the four down linemen, was in an effort to continue to not just get pressure on the quarterbacks, but to take them down and for tackles for loss and for sacks. We haven't seen that yet. And I mean, you know, I, I know that I, I'm not I'm not questioning Chris Ash as a defensive coordinator at all. Um, however, I will say that he has a much more talented defense than probably any defensive coordinator at Texas for the last since 2011 has taken maybe not 2011 maybe since you know Vance Bedford when he took over. This is a more talented defense than what Charlie Strong got in year one. This is probably the most talented defense Texas has fielded in a long long time um, just from sheer talent not just a veteran experience you know seniors all over the board type of defense. So yeah I mean I think that this is a huge huge surprise. Um, It doesn't surprise me so much that you know, um, Joseph Osai has been one of the, the most consistent guys in the opposing offensive backfield uh, a lot of times. But, you know, it's, it's one thing to get back there. It's another thing to make a play. So it's, it is quite surprising. I agree with you on that.
0: Yeah. And it, it, these things tend to be, you know, if you get off to a good start in a certain statistical category, it tends to feed on itself. And if you don't, it also tends to feed on itself and guys start to press and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, this, this defense, obviously the pass defense is not holding up. The run defense is doing pretty well, but the best way you can help a pass defense is with a pass rush, and let's see if they can uh, improve that going forward.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. All right, uh, next what I have for you, Chip, love it. or le- So, actually, I'll start with this. Tom Herman mentioned in his Monday press conference, that uh, he were going to start punishing players for making uh, poor decisions, poor penalties um, after Texas has been flagged so many times this season. This is something new, Tom Herman said, something he has never done um, at Texas. Some of his assistant coaches have done this at other stops. So it's a kind of a new thing that they're bringing into Texas moving forward. Love it or leave it, punishing foolish penalties will solve Texas's flag problems.
0: Okay. I'm going to leave this because until I see improvement in any area, I'm not giving the benefit of the doubt anymore. I'm expecting 500 football sadly Mm -hmm. um, and mistake ridden football because that's what, that's all I've seen for the last three games. So um, I'm going to leave this and I know there will be some who will argue, well, the big 12 officials, they're not even in their own crews yet. They're supposed to be in their crews in the next couple weeks. Okay. Great. I thought the officials did pretty well for at the Texas OU game. So although they gave Texas thirty additional seconds.
1: Yeah, the fourth um, quarter. Yeah.
0: Goodness, that was crazy. I went back and watched the game today and I mean it went from five fifty seven to six thirty nine. And you like thirty six, I think, or
1: something
0: like that. Yeah. This is wild. But anyway, um I'm I'm leaving this, Taylor.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm leaving it too. And yeah, I mean, I kind of made a joke. I was like, "Man, even the officials tried to help Texas win the against Oklahoma, and they couldn't pull it off." But yeah, I mean, what I think that the only consistent thing that we've seen from Texas so far has been inconsistency and mistakes and penalties is a huge part of that. I know that it's a weird year, and I know that's a great excuse to use apparently, and some people buy into that. I'm not buying into it. This is an an experienced team, a veteran team, a talented team, those type of teams, if they're truly elite and if they're good, they don't shoot themselves in the foot and beat themselves by stupid penalties, especially penalties by, you know, fourth year starters or fifth year seniors and things like that. So I'm going to leave this. Um, I don't know what is going to come from it, but we'll see, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, all right, Chip. Uh, Number three here, love it or leave it. The biggest issue that needs to be fixed this off week is on defense,
0: yeah, I'm gonna love this because, look, we can argue about the the offense not running the ball consistently or not holding the ball long enough, or um, bogging down in the in the third quarter of games, but they're number two in scoring offense nationally at forty nine and a half points. That's enough to win games. Mm-hmm. That's enough to win games. The defense has got to hold opponents. I mean, Todd Orlando got fired for giving up 27.9 points per game. And really, in the Big 12, if you're holding teams below 28, you're doing pretty good. Now, you no know, coach wants to hear that, but privately, they'd probably tell you that. Oh, Absolutely. But the bottom line is you're giving up 36 points per game. The school record for points, you know, average points per game given up in a season is 33.3. This defense has got to find itself. It's got to come together. And, man, they got to take some pride out there on the field and hold each other accountable on defense. Um, And that was the other sad note to this week. Sam Ellinger challenging his, his teammates to stop hurting themselves with penalties and self-inflicted wounds, be more disciplined, more attention to detail. And then they come out and, and lay that egg at the cotton bowl. So yeah, get the defense fixed and get these punt blocks fixed. I mean, you've already had two punts blocked and a field goal blocked, a punt block and a field goal blocked in the OU game. Yeah. And it's like, if you if you give up a blocked punt, your chances of winning the game drop to like eight percent.
1: Yeah. Well, at least we know that Ryan Bucevski knows how to tackle because he did.
0: Oh yeah. Tackle. <laughs> Tackled and he gave a little shove.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Old Bucevski. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, Chip, I'm going to agree with you on this again. You know, I, I, um, the defense is probably, uh, I don't even know if it's fair to say this, but I would, based off of the way that Texas has recruited, um, since Tom Herman has been at Texas, they've recruited some solid, solid defensive players. I mean, um, the five stars at Texas, aside from Bijan Robinson, uh, this, you know, in the 2020 signing class, a lot of the top tier players at Texas signed were on the defensive side of the ball. Um it's right. inexcusable Caden
0: Stearns, BJ mm-hmm. Foster, yeah. Joseph Osai, Keandre Coburn.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's inexcusable at this point. And you can even go to Jalen Green, Deshaun Jameson, uh DeMarvian Overshawn, Alfred Collin. I mean, the list goes on. Um, it's inexcusable at this point for Texas to be having these issues. I mean, I don't know if anybody can really sit there and say that Caden Stearns is a different player this season than he was his true freshman year. I I don't, I don't see it. You know, right. I don't.
0: He doesn't I, take over games.
1: Yeah. And same with, I would say probably BJ Foster too. And I know both had, had dealt with injuries, their true sophomore seasons, but still it's, if that's what you're seeing, these are five-star talent that you sign and they look the same as they did when they came in for high school. Are from high school, you know that's alarming. So yeah, I think the biggest issues are definitely on defense right now, and uh, you know scoring defense, especially in a league like the Big 12, that's the stat that matters. You know, I know people say stats are for losers, and they you know to a point, yeah, (laughs) that's probably accurate. But if you're the ninth worst scoring defense in the country, it's going to be really hard to win too many ball games, um, especially against Big 12 offenses. So I'm going to agree with you. Gonna love that. Say the biggest issue is on defense.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, <laughs> we, got, uh, we got one more?
1: One more, Chip. All right, so love it or leave it. Next week's Iowa State versus Oklahoma State game is the Big 12 title game preview.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, Iowa State's starting to show that it's got some, it's got some stuff about it. Um, they've already gone and won at TCU. They've already beaten Oklahoma. And, um, and then they, they handled Tech. Now Tech lost Alan Bowman again, uh, their quarterback. And we'll, we'll see uh, how long he's going to be out. But um, Iowa State looks like it's starting to figure itself out. And defensively, they're really tough. And now um, Brock Purdy's getting the ball to Brees Hall. Brees Hall looks like the offensive player of the year in the Big 12 right now. Um, and obviously, Oklahoma State, we haven't seen them play a tough opponent yet i mean tulsa west virginia baylor um so let's see let's see if oklahoma state's ready for prime time i'm i'm very intrigued by that game but yeah right now i'm gonna love this right now it feels like it's iowa state and oklahoma state in the big 12 title game
1: yeah, it's hard not to say that right now, and and Iowa State's doing exactly what they've done pretty much every year under Matt Campbell, get out of the month of September, and then things start clicking for the Cyclones. Um, you know, I agree with Brees Hall, I mean, he's a really special player, and, and it's always, you know, when I see players or teams like an Iowa State, for instance, or Kansas State, um, had those type of breakout stars almost looking like, you know, if they're the t- um, among the top players in the Big 12. I love that even more because those are programs that don't get the top players. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for an underdog story. So um, at this point, yeah, you know, I, I agree that we have not seen exactly what Oklahoma State Truly is, But we do know that they're very talented. They return a lot of um, experience, a lot of veterans. You know, their defense, I think, is better than what a lot of people expected the defense to be this season. So I'm going to agree that this, you know, that I think it's what October 24th, I believe that game is. Um, yep. October 24th. Yeah, Big 12 preview. We'll see.
0: Uh, and I had Texas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. Oh, man. Yeah all right let's uh let's try and uh, put turn our frowns upside down and everybody go out and have a great uh, off week. and uh, thanks so much for listening to the flagship podcast. Um, you know, we try to keep you entertained throughout the week. So keep looking at the flagship message board for the latest edition of the flagship podcast. and of course, get over to iTunes. And uh, give us a five-star rating, a, a little review. Our bosses would love that. And subscribe uh, there and subscribe on the 247 Sports YouTube channel so that you're you're never missing an episode. And until next time... Well, wait, hold
1: on. I have to cut uh, you off real quick. I have cut you off. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot to mention this. Chip, it's our one-year anniversary of the Flagship Podcast this week. It's been one year since we've been in existence. Um, hopefully this... Next year, year two will be even better than year one. But you know, we uh, we're very excited and honestly, kind of humbled a little bit by how well. Um, we have grown and how much we've grown in such a short period of time. We wouldn't be able to do that without our Horns 24-7 members, our listeners, our subscribers, you know, so um, I'm waiting for my one year anniversary present though from Chip. So, I gotta oh,
0: figure out uh, I'm uh, oh, I thought, uh, well, uh, I'll we'll, take a we'll, cover three uh, bar tab. I'll take a okay. cover
1: three bar tab. How about that? All
0: right, that sounds good. That <laughs> right. sounds good. That sounds good. Yes. Happy anniversary. And to uh, all of our listeners as well. Thanks so much. Cause our, Numbers are exploding. So tell your friends and enemies and we'll keep that going as well. Um, All right. So for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to the flagship podcast, everybody. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.